You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You, you feel this, this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You gotta make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Packernet After Dark. It's so good to be here with you today. We're gonna talk. We're gonna live. We're gonna love. We're gonna laugh. Today's gonna be a good day. Maybe. I'm not sure how today's gonna go. I, I kind of new to today, to be honest. Um, but we got a bunch of calls to get through, and. Um, I don't think we have any more new callers, so we're just going to take it from the top. You know how it goes. You know how I be, and um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll do this thing. Hey, Ryan. Uh, I know we lost the game. I feel like I got some optimism out of it. It was kind of like you're saying. They sucked me in and gave me hope, and then we lost anyway, but yeah. I like to see us running the ball so well. I, I know... I'm not one to say the refs ever decide a game, but I don't think they decided this game, but it definitely would have been a lot closer at the end. We would have had a better chance. Um, but we were definitely moving the ball a lot better. I feel like we just we need to be able to finish these drives, not these turnovers. Um, I actually feel like they went the other way, and they were leaning into the run a little too much. We had that fourth and one late in the game. It's, I swear they had ten people in the box, and it just seemed like there was no way Aaron Jones was going to get that. Like, he's not... Yeah, and, well, a couple thoughts on that particular play. Um, number one, you're right. I mean, it, it's I've been the one saying if, if even if they stack the box, you don't give up on the run. I there's a There is maybe a line, though, you know. <laughs> I mean, eight men in the box is one thing. Ten men in the box is, is maybe something different. But, um, but no, I, I honestly might have done the same thing. And, and honestly, I don't know that that play doesn't work if Von Miller doesn't erase our entire offensive line by himself. Um, the one thought, uh, again, as I was talking to Blaine that came up, is this is where it may have been a good idea to at least have some kind of other option. Um, in that particular case, for example, that's one of the only things that probably would have wrecked that. You know, if, if Yash is kind of just standing his ground a little better and doesn't get pushed into the right guard who gets pushed into the center, who gets pushed right through the left guard and just, you know, takes him down like bowling balls. He probably gets a yard. But the other thing that you could consider is Rodgers possibly having a read there. 
whether that be him taking it and running it, which absolutely would have worked, because if you're reading it and seeing Von Miller crashing, he's not holding the edge. You could just walk easily for a yard, right? Um, and yeah, there, there are other options, such as throwing the ball, which again, I'm not a huge fan of because we're really bad at it. The statistics are bearing that out. But again, I, I think there's a line maybe where you could look at it and say, all right, we, we would be willing to run into a heavy box, but this is a bit extreme, so let's at least have something built in here so that we're not 100% committed. Because to be completely honest, the, re- the reason the play didn't work is because the, the uh, the heck is the team name, the Buffalo Bills, I was going to say the Broncos because I'm so fixated on Von Miller. The Broncos and, jeez, I just did it again. The, the Bills and Von Miller sold out 100% that this is a run. A hundred percent, which is surprising, right? I mean, it, it kind of goes to the the Packers being a little bit too one-dimensional, and they just kind of figured it out. Now, it's a calculated risk. They're looking at it saying, we're going to have a hard time stopping this, so let's sell out 100,000% on this being a run. And if you know if they run with Rodgers or, or throw a pass or something, they'll probably convert it, but we'll stop them somewhere else down the line, I think was the thought process. And so that it was a... a calculated risk it was a gamble and they won is is kind of how I view that um because again I'm, I'm not really even looking at it as we lost because there were so many guys in the box we lost because they they sold on it being a run and Von Miller just crashed down on the offensive line rather than playing it like you normally would where he has to somewhat maintain an edge um so I I, I still think it was doable but that's that's my read on that particular play and again going forward have that built in. Um, and, and you know, again, this is an area where Rodgers' lack of mobility, I mean, most quarterbacks in the NFL probably would have gotten a first down here because they would have been able to read that. You know, I mean, just general general mobility would, would cause a coach to add that little wrinkle in just in case. But with Rodgers, maybe you kind of think twice, and it's like, no, nah, I'm not going to have him keep the ball and run it. I don't know power guy maybe it was AJ Dillon but it was like that was the time I was like please throw a go ball here on fourth and one because everybody's up yeah. rather you take that shot than run into a wall um, but yeah the defense just has to get up the field but again a lot of the time when they got stuck on there you know, I feel like it was penalties that uh, shouldn't have been or were ticky tack and whatnot. Um, but yeah I don't know I feel like whenever we've had this adversity it seems like there's a loss we have, but things start to click a little bit, a little bit better, and then the the next week we're able to come out and really put things together. And I feel like things are starting to click a little more. I mean, Amari Rogers had a great catch up the left sideline. Torrey had a great play, and I I know it's one play, but I think with Rogers, one play like that can build some trust and get him to start looking your way a little more. Um, even though we were getting Christian Watson involved early, yeah. disappointed it didn't get a concussion. I mean, need him on the field to be able to grow at this point. I mean, it's just looking like a lost season for him because he can't string more than, you know, a quarter of a game before he's back back injured. So, um, you know, I I was actually impressed with the defense of the second half. I mean, they, they let up far less points in the second half than the first half, and that was with, you know, we'd have a different – different field general out there because both our linebackers were out. So I was I was impressed with the two linebackers that came in uh, and how they were able to 
make things uh, make things work a little bit at least, you know. And they were able to get off the field a little bit in the second half. Our offense just needs to finish the drives, and we had a chance. I mean, I know we lost by ten, but we well then had a chance to win that game. Um, I will say they put on the screen the last six home games. I'd be curious if you look at the home games for Buffalo. They were plus one forty-seven on the differential on the last six home games. I mean, that's like well over twenty points a game. So. Loss is never good, but losing my time with that kind of differential in the past. Uh, anyway, I'm at time. Let that go. Yeah, I, I, I guess I'm personally torn on whether or not I should buy into the hype. I guess I have no reason not to, right? Packer fan, Packers podcast, why not just go all in on constantly believing every single week something different is going to happen, right? You know, this is going to be the moment. This is going to be the thing. This is... You know, we said after Washington, that's going to be, that hopefully is going to be the thing. Well, first of all, we were going to beat Washington. That was going to be the thing that was going to get this team turned around. Then we lost to Washington. Well, maybe that's going to kind of get them fired up a little bit. On top of all the every week, oh, we had a great practice, or we had this, or we're getting this guy back, or there's always something. And so now, because we lost to Buffalo, we're supposed to believe, oh, man, now we're really galvanized. And and again, is it is it the improvement that we saw that's going to prove to us that things are great? Or is it really just, again, it was one good half of football, and because it was the second half, we think that things are really good. Whereas if it was the first half they played well and the second half they didn't, nobody would feel good about it. I don't know. Did something click in the second half? Or is it still just kind of a not great football team that can only give you a half of a football game? And really, I mean, what what did the Packers offense do in the second half? First drive, they got a field goal. Second drive, um, they failed to convert a first down and turned over the ball. Third drive, the, they threw a pick. Fourth drive, they got the Samori Ture 37-yard touchdown. And then the fifth drive, they missed a field goal. And that's it. So, I mean, if we're going to hang, the season is completely turned around because they went field goal, turnover on downs, interception, touchdown missed field goal yikes and you know that i mean the defense obviously did better they gave up a field goal then got a pick then got another pick which is funny that it was three interceptions in a row we got a pick rogers immediately comes out and throws a pick and then we go out and jire gets another pick for us um then the next drive is a one two, we we got him to punt but it was a one two three four five six seven Eight, there was a penalty, nine, 10, 11, 12 play drive. You know, we got them to punt on fourth and seven on our own 46. So, I mean, it wasn't terrible. And I'm, I'm not, you know, the defense did better. But again, it's, it's the, the defense, especially, is more of the offense defense thing. Did they just figure it out and shut down the dominant Bills uh, offense in the second half? By the way, I think I've been saying that they held them to seven. Was it three, though? Looks like it was a field goal. Thought it was a touchdown. I don't know. So they held them to three points. That's that's solid, but there's a lot given up in the first half. 24 points. Anyways, I don't need to get too far into the woods, I guess. I'm just I'm just explaining. I'm I'm I don't know. I can I can as I have done, I think, on uh today's podcast, tried to lay out the path for the offense, and you can kind of see it. I don't think I can see it for the defense other than you just have to play better. You know what I mean? I mean, that's been the thing all year. You just have to play. I mean, I guess that's technically the same with the offense as far as, you know, 
I wish they would play different, but they're not going to, so they just need to play better. You know, you need the wide receivers and the quarterback and the offensive line. Everybody needs to be on the same page and work together and get it some kind of cohesion here. But but at least with that, you're looking at it going, well, we've got this constantly rotating and shifting offensive line. We've got different philosophies that we're trying different things because we had a plan, but then that guy got hurt, and then we got a new plan, and then that guy got hurt, and then we... You know, the offense has a new plan because Elton suddenly fell off a cliff and then we got Bakhtiari back, but then we lost Bakhtiari and then we got to shift him over here. You know, if you can look at it and see, okay, if things calm down, here's how this works. Defense, I don't know, man. I mean, on one hand, they're the more encouraging side because they've at least shown in in about a half each game that they have that ability to just light people up, you know? And again, d- ignoring the context of how little um, points anybody's really given up, they haven't given up a lot of points. So the ability to not give up a lot of points is certainly there. But I can't explain why they haven't, and I don't really see a clear path for this is how you improve. It's not a new defensive scheme. It's really not any new players. It's the same guys coming back doing the same things. They just can't do it. And it's not even that they can't do it. It's just that they can't do it consistently. It's like Rashawn is awesome. But he's also responsible for giving up major plays that sustain drives. Like, what are you doing? You know, Preston is great in his run defense lately, but he's not offering much by way of pass rush. Kenny is great, except for sometimes when he just completely falls off, like apparently he did in this last game. Again, I've been praising Dean Lowry. That dude got pushed all over the place. And this is not an elite Bills offensive line. That's not reality. They have a lot of elite, a lot of things. But offensive line, no. You know, I mean, the linebackers just... Sometimes it's real good, but sometimes it's like, what the heck are you doing? Corners, same things. Like, you know, Stokes has had a good couple weeks. Great. But it's taken a long time to get here. And what does that even materialize to? And and by the way, hitting guys out of bounds and stuff, that's got to stop. You know, I said last time when Stokes did it, hey, at least we got some fire. But now two weeks in a row, we've got people hitting guys out of bounds and one of them got ejected. Enough is enough. Let's take that fire and that energy and put it on the football field and actually try to produce some positive plays. That can't be the highlight of, of your of your week every week you don't want to be so angry and fed up play better so I don't know I'm uh I understand somewhat the optimism but I, I just there's so much ground to cover to get all the way there for me I mean and it could just happen in, in a flash everything just kind of clicks one day but it just there's there's a lot of things that have to happen hey Ryan this is Garrett hey uh I'm calling in in regards to uh your last podcast that uh referenced the comment that Coach LaFleur said about Rodgers and the other players needing to play their best so that he can play his best. Um, I think we've kind of found some of the mentality problems that we have been struggling to figure out what exactly is going on behind the scenes and what's causing all this dysfunction. Um, I totally agree with those hosts saying that it needs to be the other way around. Um, I don't get it. I think this is masking uh, what you were referring to as um, he's been keen in on one player and we've just not noticed it because he's been successfully getting it to Adams. Um, so I think we're, we're starting to peel back the onion and it doesn't smell good. Um, this is just uh, troublesome to me to think that this is a mentality of a NFL coach. I'm out. Yeah, and and the reason the offense looked better when it did, the reason Rodgers looked better when he did, is because he got what he wanted. 
right? It's it's not because Rodgers elevated everybody around him. It's because everybody else elevated Rodgers. Rodgers demands good offensive line play and wide receivers that that bail out bad decisions. That's what happened. He had time in the pocket and threw 50-50 balls, and the guys caught it. And we're all sitting here cheering, and I'm like, I mean, that's cool. I don't know that that's sustainable, and I'm also annoyed that we just can continue to embrace the plan of just doing stupid stuff. But, you know, if that's the path, then I guess we'll just embrace it and see how it goes, you know? Um, I don't like it. I don't like the plan where, you know, we just need the wide receivers to be elite and the offensive line to be elite because Rodgers demands it. Okay. Um, It's not what a lot of other teams are doing. When they struggle with their offensive line, they find ways to to mask it um, other than just throwing passes behind the line of scrimmage all the time, which is apparently what the Packers like to do, which doesn't really work. Um, And other than just, hey, you go down the field and win your route, and I'm just going to throw it up to you, and I I want you to catch it. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, again, the guys did step up, so if they can just continue to be those dominant wide receivers, then we have, I guess, some hope in uh, the future. Hey, Ryan. Um, he thoughts on the game. Uh, I I saw some people reacting that, uh, oh, we run the ball and uh, still doesn't make a difference, but I disagree with that. We we only lost by 10, and that penalty against uh, timing was garbage call. He was the defender initiated the contact, and he just fought through it. Um, but if we had that, you know, and I, I know what ifs don't always make sense, but hypothetically, if you had that, you know, you're in a three-point game, yeah. but, you know, in the fourth quarter with the ball in your hands, you know. So I thought the run game did work. I did think we could take more more shot plays. and Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, I mean, it, it's harder to win if you're going to run the ball like that, but it's the only form of offense that we've had that's been any bit um, not trash (laughs) I mean it's it's it was able to sustain drives we had explosive plays we were able to keep our defense on the sideline keep their defense on the field to work them down a little bit and by the way there's there's no doubt in my mind the passing was working better because the running was working if we had no ability to run we would have had no ability to pass either so the idea that well we lost anyway so let's forget this stupid running thing and go back to this thing where we spread everybody out throw passes and just suck and go three and out every drive, no. Maybe there's a better balance to strike, I don't know, but but this is the foundation. This is what we need to do going forward. And if you can look at what we did this past week in sustaining drives and converting first downs and wearing down their defense and winning time of possession with all these other games that we lost and look at them and go, well, there's no difference, who cares? I don't know what you're looking at at all. Successful um competent offense compared to just cannot even get first downs i understand you know a loss is a loss and and whatever but yeah th- th- this is this is clearly a better plan than anything we've done in the past and i know some people maybe don't like it because hey we have rodgers why are we relying on running backs to run the ball we should be throwing the ball well because we've been relying on rodgers all year and it's been a complete failure uh, it seems like, I don't know if it's Matt LaFleur. And by the way, there's a clip out there of uh, Von Miller and um, Richard Sherman talking about 
Vaughn talked to Rogers, like, why don't you guys throw the ball? Why aren't you throwing the ball? And Rogers made a comment that Vaughn apparently wouldn't comment on. Like, I, you know, I'm not going to tell you what he said because I don't want to start problems or whatever. And then Richard Sherman's like, I'll tell you what he said. He wasn't there, but he's like, I don't trust these wide receivers. I don't trust. Yeah. Okay. Well, fine. That then, then it's because he doesn't trust the wide receivers is why they're running, but that's, I, I, let me put it this way. I don't think it was Rogers plan to come in and say, you know what? I don't think I should be throwing. I think we should just run a lot. I don't think that was the plan going in, or I don't, I don't think that was Rogers plan going in. So, you know, I mean, he can complain to whatever defensive players on the other team that he wants to, but in reality, in, you know, I mean, he's not going to sit there and say, well, because I'm not very good, because we're not doing a good job passing, because, duh, duh, duh. no, he, he's going to be like, dude, I don't know, man, he's freaking losers, man. You know, I got no wide receivers. Offensive line is trash. You know, his quarter, this, this coach is a freaking loser. He's going to say all that stuff, but I don't care what he said to Von Miller or what Richard Sherman thinks. We ran the ball because it's the first thing we were able to do successfully basically all year. That's why we ran the ball. Rodgers was checked with one, but it seems like we get really stuck one or the other. Either we throw the ball all the time or we run the ball all the time. Yeah. A couple of weeks back, we wouldn't run the ball in fourth and short because they had one extra guy in the box. Fourth and short this game, every defender is in the box and we won't we won't throw it. Yeah. Um, I think we have some opportunity for some more play action passes, right. maybe get a rollout, get outside the pocket with the line. Well, and, and this was a you're exactly right. This is a prime opportunity to do that. I mean, one of the benefits of getting seven yards per chunk is that you can destroy teams with play action, right? Theoretically. I don't know what the numbers were on play action, but it didn't feel like that's what we were necessarily taking advantage of. I mean, I, it's one of the things I should go back and look at is, I mean, I, I guess I could pull up some stats. Uh, I don't know if I'll be able to figure out as a percentage how many times we ran play action or whatever, but my recollection, which obviously is not great, is we ran the ball most of the time, and when we passed, it was just kind of a more straight-up passing attack. It wasn't a ton of play action. Let me just look at it real quick just to make sure. I don't know if I can look at it by week. I'd have to use SIS. I don't know. I, I, I'm just saying um, you're, you're, you're right about that. I mean, that's, that, that is sort of the next phase that we probably should get into. It, it, and it is embarrassing that, like you said, we, we get so locked into, like, let's do a, It's kind of what I talked about with no direction, no vision, no, no, uh, no identity, right? And it doesn't even feel like this is an identity because they're not going to be able to sustain seven yards per carry and all that stuff. So it just feels like every week we have to slowly grow a new a new um, evolution. So because of the lack of passing attack, we become a team that does nothing but run. And again, there was a lot of success, but it, it there wasn't just that baseline understanding of being able to attack off of that. And so maybe next week we run the ball well and, and start to build off of play action, but we have to run the ball well is the next issue. Now, now, now we're in a phase where everything completely falls apart. If what happens if we can't run the ball very well, and Aaron Jones has another like two point nine yards per carry game? I don't know. I don't know what we do. So again, I don't know, man. I don't know what what happens with this team, and they're so slow to make changes. And then when they do, it seems like a half-hearted change that's based on what other people are telling them to do. And then when that doesn't work, they retake control and go back to the old way that wasn't working. You know, it's like. I just, I just feel like you don't know what you're doing, and I feel like you're just kind of guessing, and it just feels sloppy. And again, this is part of the reason why my lack of, of faith in the team. Can things magically just turn around? Sure, but I, I just, based on what, man? What, what, what is it? What is the thing that I have trust in? 
I don't, I don't have trust in anything. You, you trust in Joe Barry? I don't even have trust in Matt LaFleur. Again, he's a great play caller, but as far as game plan, like what are we doing? Adjustments? And I'm not talking about halftime. I'm talking about, you know, hey, this thing, you know, it, it's about evaluation. We have now had a long time to evaluate the team that we have. What are we going to do with the guys we have to take the scheme that we run and the personnel we have and combine that into an attack to win? It's not that we don't have the players. This is what I'm, people constantly keep bickering on Twitter about, you know, Gutekunst failed to, to acquire talent. Like, what are you talking about? And pe- people are just out of their minds. What have you been saying the last three years? Have you been saying the last three years that this team has no talent as we win 13 games every single year? Of course not. Are you really that out of your mind that one year with the exact same players, you're looking at going, Gee, the GM sucks, you can't get talent. Dude, what are you talking about? It's the same players. I think that theory is bunk, dude. We have the players. We do. We just don't have a plan to use them in a way that makes sense. Struggling. Um, just maybe mix up a little bit, but kind of at the point where I don't care anymore because we're going to lose, but I still like to watch the Packers do well, even if we don't do anything this year. So, hey, maybe mix some of this stuff in. Maybe we can win a few more games. Um, other thought is Jamie Watkins does not look good out there. Romeo Dobbs, uh, Maurice Berry, Christian Watson are clearly the future. I mean, Lazard's not bad, but he's no number one. I, uh, I think, um, I think we need to get force those guys out there more and just, if Rogers just lets it rip like he did at, in the fourth quarter, two minute drive, the passing game's there, so maybe we just need to do whatever we're doing in two minutes a little more often. I don't quite understand why that happens. Can't pass the ball game, two minutes left, and suddenly we're a great passing team. Um, and I also don't understand why he's so down on Dobbs. Dobbs making great catches and like it had another 50 yards if Rodgers hadn't underthrown that deep ball. Um, and he did way underthrow that. I wasn't even, I mean, Dobbs had a beat by two yards. And yeah, that was. It's it's getting frustrating the amount of times we looked at it and said, man, that could have been a really big play, you know? I mean, Christian Watson had one that was his fault. Every other one is either Rodgers didn't see it or Rodgers massively underthrew the guy. It's like there was a – and I understand that's a long throw. I mean, he, I don't know what the air yards were on it. Maybe he just doesn't have that arm anymore. I don't know, but it's like, dang, dude. You know how nice these highlights would be to have? I mean, look how much we're geeking out about Samori Ture because of that one play. You got Dobbs beating double coverage, getting behind the defense, real walking in for a touchdown. Man, that would have been so like everybody would. We all would have been super geeking out about that. But Rogers let throws a lame duck, and Dobbs has to try to come back and essentially play defense on it. I don't know. It's it's annoying. Um, had another thought, and I lost it. All right, that's fine. Um. Oh. I think Christian Watson might be better than we all think. Um, LaFleur and Rodgers were really down after he got hurt. So maybe he's better than we all think. He's just having a rough go getting in there this year. But let's hope. Yeah, I I think that a thousand percent. I just, it's just not happening. You know, I mean, it's, it's very obvious to see why we're having these issues. I mean, he didn't play anything in training camp, off season, preseason, nothing. Comes in week one, and immediately they, they have the first play designed to go to him, and he dropped it. And so, yeah, I do think there was some trust issues with Rodgers moving forward. Maybe not as much as was made up in the media, but there was. 
I think also he was playing as a decoy because I watched it happen. It's hard to get a lot of production when the play is never designed to go to you because we're designing plays with essentially one read to the quarterback and you ain't the read. So, you know, there's that. He's primarily been a blocker and all these different things and, and they use him on these jet sweeps, which again, we can say that that's because he's not good or we can just acknowledge that for whatever reason... And, and Rodgers even acknowledged it. They went back and watched the tape and like, oh, dang, he's open a ton. So I'm not just making that up because I'm a, I'm a sycophant. I had no real like of him coming onto the team. I'm just telling you after I've been watching him, like, dude, this is crazy. That, that, that first game and, and pretty much every time I've watched him, I went through and highlighted every single play. He's open. He's open. He's open. He's getting behind everybody, 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 and they're not throwing it. And again, primarily because... His only job is to try to draw away the corner and pull up the safety. And so getting behind the defense, is, it's not even necessary. As long you know, We, we want to utilize your speed to kind of pull them away as far as possible. But again, upon further review, holy crap, he actually got behind both of them. And if we actually were considering throwing to him, blah, 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 right? But then he got hurt again. And you can tell they're trying to get him involved in things. It's just really not working. And probably, you know, with, with the way some of the defenses are playing defense it's not always going to be the easiest when when you're the straight up vertical guy but then the first thing they do this week when he comes back is let's find other ways to get him involved not behind the line of scrimmage stuff and not just straight up go routes post routes whatever you know 20 30 40 50 60 yard passes and so they do and he catches it and he catches it and he runs real fast and it's just you know it's it's a good play and it's, it's something to kind of get everybody excited like oh there we go there's a new wrinkle with christian and, and he goes down not not his fault i'm just saying they, they, want, they want him to be a thing, right? I mean, there's no doubt. Rodgers really likes these guys. He, he does. And, you know, we can complain about, you know, uh, Gutekunst and his talent evaluation or whatever, but Rodgers has not always been a fan of guys. He really likes Dobbs. He really likes Watson. And he really likes Turay. One of the quotes that he had had earlier was, and it kind of maybe illuminates something he was talking about before when he was saying, maybe we should start giving other guys some opportunities if, you know, these guys are not doing what they need to do. Kind of thinking he was talking about Samori Ture, because he had mentioned that he had talked to Ture and said, you're too good to be riding the bench all year. You need to be on the field. So he knows Dobbs has something, but I, I do think that there is some mental lapses going on, and I think maybe a lot of the mistakes he's talking about are Romeo Dobbs. But I know he really likes Dobbs, and I know he really trusts Dobbs, and that's huge. I mean, a lot of these big need-to-play type things go to Dobbs. I even highlighted that one instance that they talked about against the Jets where he made a terrible read that never should have gone. But the point is, he's, he's developing that level of trust toward Dobbs. And, and we've heard the comments he's made about Watson. And we can see them trying to force the ball in his hand, even if they're struggling, because they know that he has limitations. You know, I'm sure as far as the route running and being in the right place at the right time, doing all the right things is, is very minimal for him. So the trust isn't there to put him on these certain routes because they don't trust that he'll do the right thing because there's so much nuance to this whole, th- to all this stuff. Not just in terms of, you know, the depth of it and the angles and the speed and the, but, but, but the adjustments. We saw Samori Ture running toward the safety, made an adjustment run the other way, which I'm assuming is what he wanted Dobbs to do on that one play where he just launched it in the middle of nowhere. And so when he goes over to Samori, he's like, see, this is what I want guys to do. Not like what Dobbs is doing, who doesn't seem to be getting this whole thing. But yeah, he, he, he likes him and, and, and I'm becoming a believer. You know, when I when I kind of came into this thing, it was like, I'm not so sure about Watson. I feel like we need a guy that can produce today. And usually when you get guys from small schools, it's going to take some time to produce. Now, looking at it 
through a new lens of this season is lost. We'll see what the future holds. All right, maybe this was a good pick because <laughs> this might be a year two, three, four thing. But but no, just watching how he can make an Im- instant impact if he can stay healthy is is evident. And then you look at Dobbs, and there were so many people that were huge, huge Dobbs fans. Like, no, this guy's legit. You don't understand. And I'm like, all right. I know you guys always get hyped up about some mid-round and, and late-round guy. I'm sure he's fine, but come on, let's pump the brake. And he immediately excelled beyond all expectation. And, and I, I, I just think, you know, again, as we go through this process where everybody hates Gutekunst, while Dobbs is staring us right in the face, every other wide receiver that is receiving praise is a first or second round pick. Every single one. Maybe, maybe I'm missing one somewhere. I don't know. The point is, you don't hit on fourth round picks that just, MVS was the exact same thing. Oh, MVS, what a waste of a, blah, 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 blah. In the general context, fine, but how many fifth-round picks become what MVS became? Zero. Nobody does it, but Gutekunst found the guy. Dobbs, same thing. After the second round, how many guys exist? I don't know. Maybe it's Dobbs and Toure, and we got both of them. There's probably a handful of others. But that's that's impressive. And that doesn't even start to discuss, like, Zach Tom, who is a fourth-round pick, right? There's offensive linemen that are doing okay. How many of them are beyond the first round, beyond the second round? After the first two rounds, it's, it's tough sledding out there. How about Kingsley and Igbari? Yeah, there's pass rushers doing stuff, but how many of them were drafted in the fifth round? I mean, guys that are producing that are not first and second round picks, you got Khalil Shakir, you got Romeo Dobbs, uh, David Bell, who was a third round pick, and uh, that's pretty much it. I mean, as, you know, as far as, let's say, guys that have at least 100 yards receiving this year, there's 12 of them. Three of them are not first and second round picks, so nine out of 12 our first and second round picks. One guy was drafted as later later than Romeo Dobbs, and that's Khalil Shakir. And Romeo is ahead of all of them. Khalil has 112 yards. David Bell has 100. Romeo has nearly 303 touchdowns. He's in sixth. Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Alec Pierce, Drake London, George Pickens are the only ones that are ahead in terms of yardage. He's second in touchdowns behind just Jahan Dotson. Second in the NFL. He's third in receptions behind Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. And again, the only reason Christian Watson is not involved in this is, is, you know, Bears fans and everybody else want to, oh, how's it going with that second round pick? Bust. Dude, how do you know he's a, he hasn't played? Same people that are freaking out at other Bears fans and everybody else for, you know, Valus Jones is a bust. It's like, he hasn't played yet. He's hurt. Okay, Christian Watson hasn't played, bro. And out of 25 rookies, he's still 11th in receptions. So for a guy that hasn't even played, I mean, let, let's just extrapolate it out. I know he's not going to be the number one guy, but let's just... Uh, Let's just look at it. And I don't even know if I can count Buffalo. Maybe I'll subtract what he got in Buffalo and then just average it out from there. I don't know. If we, if we do that, he would be seventh in targets ahead of Jahan Dotson, Traylon Burks, Wandale Robinson, et cetera, et cetera. He'd be seventh in receptions. Yardage, I'm sure, isn't going to be great because he's doing jet sweep stuff. But if we even just keep week eight because he had 12 yards, which is one of his bigger receptions, and, you know, just ignore the fact that he would have caught more passes in this game. He's got 64 total yards. You take that and extrapolate it out over eight games, 102.4 yards. He's in the 100-yard range. Now, again, this is only just extrapolating what they've done. The point is, if he had been healthy through this whole process, it would have been a lot more targets, receptions, yards, and probably touchdowns at this point because he'd be a bigger part of the offense than what he is right now. He's not a big part of the offense because he just hasn't been out there. Guy had an operation to clean up his knee. Wasn't even like an injury. It was just, hey, let's get this cleaned up. Then he has a hamstring issue. And then he gets a concussion. Now, I can't tell you definitively that I know he isn't going to have injury issues in the future. But what I am saying is 
he's had one concerning thing, and that's a hamstring injury, because those can be kind of lingering and recurring or whatever. But everything else is like, come on, man, we just let's just keep this thing going. And again, I, I came into this a, a Devontae Wyatt guy. You know, that, that Devontae Wyatt and Zach Tom are, are my guys in this draft class. I like Devontae Wyatt. I'm not necessarily watching him going, dude, this guy is going to explode. I like a lot of the stuff he's doing, but it's like individual things. Watson is the one guy I'm watching more than anybody else and just saying, this, guy's, this guy has the potential to just blow the roof off of everything. Flaws and all. We need to find a way, as the, the, the coaches have been saying and Rodgers has been saying, find a way to get the ball in his hand and not just on freaking jet sweeps. Hey, Ryan. Uh, now I just wanted to uh, comment on last night's game. Um, I think the rookies, Dobbs and Toure, uh, actually started showing something. And I think it's just one of those things with the rookies, it just takes time start figuring some things out and it looked like Rogers even, you know, complimented Tory on the sideline telling us yeah. like that's what I'm needing you to do. Um so I think we're getting there. So okay, okay. that is at least a positive in the right direction. Jones looked like an absolute freak out there running the ball. How many times and how many people probably stand watching the game last night with their hands. Are those is, is is the fire department just chilling? They throwing a barbecue outside your window? Usually they're driving somewhere. <laughs> go. Go. Go to the fire. Go away. Sorry. Up in the air saying, how long has this been going on that we could have been doing this? <laughs> ah, there's a fire. Anyways. It just keeps getting I louder. Just, I just can't get over how they were so close. There it goes. The defense was so close on plays. Um, I guess the only thing that just come away with the defense is that uh, Jai Alexander reminds me of a ankle-biting chihuahua. <laughs> uh, okay. He's a small guy in stature, and after a while you get used to his barking, and it's like, oh, whatever, and you just start ignoring him. So hopefully he stops you know, talking and starts playing more. Uh, there is potential there. It just man, frustrates me to see guys just yapping too much on the field. I'm out. Yeah, I mean, Jair had a good game. Um, he he locked down whoever was across from him, um, and I'm sure he played with a little bit of everybody. Um, so I thought he had a good game. But, but I think that's a good description of the defense in general. A um, whole bunch of bravado and not really much to back it up right now. So I agree. Need to see more. Hey, Ryan. Seth again. Just another quick thought. wonder if we uh... – not, not that Rodgers is the whole problem, and he did play a lot better this week, but yeah. I wonder if we could get anything for him as a trade deadline. You know, maybe a first. I don't know, maybe a young guy in return. Heck, even if we only got like a third or a fourth, get his cap off our bucks, I'm not quite sure what that does with the cap situation. Here, here would be, I know the, the deadline passed, but here, here's the biggest issue. If you try to trade Rodgers, the disaster in that is the team is going to have to talk to Rodgers. Because they have to know that he's not going to retire after this year, which seems pretty likely at this point. So you're going to have to tip your hand to Rodgers that you're trying to trade him. And Rodgers is going to get word of that because they're going to be calling his agent to talk to Rodgers and say, hey, just curious if you're still thinking about playing football or if you're thinking about retirement. And you know what his answer is going to be? I don't know. And so why would any... I mean, you'd be getting him for a half a year. Um, And if if you're interested in that, but what... 
the other question I would have is what team is close but just needs a quarterback where Rodgers would would help? I mean, maybe the 49ers would do it. Would they be willing to go all in on a one-year, one-half-a-year thing with Aaron Rodgers to upgrade Jimmy Garoppolo? Maybe. I don't know. But would they give up a first? No, nobody. And that's the biggest thing. Nobody would give up a ton. And so I, I, I think a lot of the issue with selling off anybody that I'm kind of coming around to is it's just going to create an absolute fiasco and a disaster in that, in that room. Either you do a full teardown now or you, know, you, you do a partial teardown and just ruin the locker room. If you send off anybody and keep Rodgers there and send a message to that team that we're giving up on you, it's a disaster. But again, I don't think anybody would, would take Rodgers. Um, I just, I don't see the, I don't see the upside. You got a guy that's, that's probably going to want to retire. It's a hefty contract. Uh, the, the, the attitude seems fine, but the play is, is mediocre at best. So I just don't see it really. Maybe we could do similar things. As some of the other- and again, I know the trade deadline passed, but I'm, I'm referring to next year as well. If he decides he wants to play and the Packers are like, yeah, man, but we don't want you back. I mean, we, we, I, I, I don't know if we could get anything for him because I just don't know that there's a single team that, that wants, to, wants that to be their situation. Um, maybe, again, maybe there's an all-in team that, that just wants a quarterback for a year, and if Rodgers will commit to a year, then they'll do something. But, um, you know, I, I guess I would be curious on the other side what kind of a contract they'd get because obviously we're taking a pretty big hit with a lot of it. Uh, let me just look at it real quick because I'm curious. Because I don't exactly know how all these things pan out, but I know, for example, his base salary, let's just say 2023, $1.165 million. But then there's the prorated bonus of, of $30 million, which normally in this spot is like money that's already paid, but that's not the situation with this contract. He didn't get $126 million up front, and it's already been paid and all that stuff. But we're on the hook for that, Right. So I, I guess I'm just curious where the money would all go and who owes what and everything, because I'm not really sure. I'm guessing just a lot of that prorated bonus money would be taken on by the other team, which again would make him not desirable. So I don't know. Better guys that aren't playing well, but maybe can help a contender. You know, like Bakhtiari, uh, he's looking better, but is he really part of a rebuild with that contract right. and injury concerns? Maybe maybe ship him off you know, too, and get get something returned, clear, clean up the books a little bit, and maybe get a little draft capital. I don't know. There's probably a few guys you could do that with, but uh, just something I was thinking about. Yeah, I mean, I think, look, I don't know, man. It, it It's it's so convoluted, and it seems like, well, why would they move on from Rodgers after all this? Well, listen, we were the plan was to move on from Rodgers when Gutekunst got here. That plan changed when he won back-to-back MVPs. Then we shifted our focus to let's go all in. Then we went all in. Now the, the, everything has collapsed and Rodgers isn't playing very well. I think the plan has changed again, and it is shifting toward he needs to go, right? I mean, that, that's what makes the most sense to me. So, so I, I think Rodgers is, is gone. He will likely retire. If he doesn't, the Packers will likely move on from him one way or another. They cannot cut him, so they would have to find a trade partner. I don't know. I, I, I need to get a definitive answer on how the, the contract works with all that, but in other words, what the contract looks like to a team that would take him on, because if they're if they're if they're looking at serious dead cap ramifications for a guy that's going to maybe play a, a, a year is that's rough. But then the question becomes, 
if Rodgers is gone, how how far do we take this? I mean, I, I we have to do something. I don't think we continue with because we have to pay Rashawn. We would probably have to pay Elton. We got to pay a bunch of guys a bunch of money on top of a bunch of other contracts kind of going up because usually you, to some degree, even the Packers who don't usually backload stuff, they backload things. So the contracts go up. So guys get more expensive. And again, we're probably going to save a bunch of money with with moving Aaron Rodgers because, again, his what thirty one million dollar contract goes down to to fifteen. The debt, I mean, the dead cap is dead hit is fifteen. So we're saving fifteen right there, but. I think at the very least, Aaron Jones has to go. And I think he's like a $10 million savings if we move Aaron Jones. And that and that's somebody we could probably trade for a hefty sum considering how he's playing. I don't know based on his contract, but again, I, I wonder if a lot of that money stays with us so they wouldn't be taking on quite as hefty of a contract. Plus, he's worth a decent, <laughs> decent contract. So we could probably get something for that. And same with David Bakhtiari. That's, I think, a $6 million savings. The question is, do we really want to cut that deep? You know, I don't know. I mean, it, is his knee just completely trash? And we look at it and go, let's just roll with Zach Tom and, and Elton Jenkins and hope for the best at, at the tackle positions or Yash Nyman, I guess, and keep Elton inside. I, I you know, maybe it's, it's a drop off. But, but again, we're talking about planning for the future. We're talking about freeing up some of this, this cap disaster that we've created. Bakhtiari is a part of that. We can get out from under that and we could probably get some draft capital for Bakhtiari as well. I mean, we, we can talk about how he was a failure in the, in the, in this process, but if he's a seller, he doesn't have to sell yesterday. He can do it after the season is over. You know, I would just be curious who all would be involved in that. You know, Adrian Amos leaving is, is somewhat of a disaster because it, it's his contract is seven point nine five million. Like, well, why don't we keep him? Oh no, no, you don't understand. It's seven point nine five million, and he's gone because because of what we've done to the cap. So we, we get seven point nine five. We have to pay that just for the luxury of letting him walk away. We have to pay him more money if we want to keep him. We got to create a whole new contract and we can, you know, maybe spread the money out. Maybe we'll do that. I don't know. But honestly, I'm fine with giving him another contract so long as it's not a stupid contract that is built in with void years. If you're going to do it, do it right. And and we can because we don't have these ridiculous contracts on the books anymore. I mean, there's still some lingering, but it's much more manageable when you don't have this behemoth Aaron Rodgers contract and, and, you know, you offload Bakhtiari and Aaron Jones. I mean, you're, you're making some headway to where we don't have to do this anymore. We can kind of right the ship pretty quickly. Again, I'm speaking definitively about, about the Rodgers and Bakhtiari thing and everything, and I don't know that for sure. But I, I just, I don't see a path in which we look at this and say, I want to keep doing this. That doesn't make any sense to me. And I, and I certainly don't see a path either in looking at this and saying, well, maybe if we just add more talent, you know, we'll take some swings in the draft and we'll get this thing righted. No chance. We don't have any more money, so we cannot go out and get free agents. And we're not just going to reload and go get another wide receiver. And, you know, with the, the 12th pick, we're going to get a, a, a decent receiver and, you know, hope that if we add a Chris, Chris Olave type receiver, that's going to fix our whole offense. It's not. It's not going to fix our defense. And it's not going to fix the locker room. And it's not going to fix the coaching issues and the GM issues and all the other issues that we have on this team. It ain't going to fix all that stuff. I cannot believe how fast this goes. I, I really want to rip through these calls. I just can't get through them. But anyways, it's going to be another long episode. We'll take a break and um, we'll come back on the other side. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. I'd love it if you'd be a November supporter. Doesn't really mean anything, but it'd be great if you could do it. Um, don't have any yet. So you could be the first and only November supporter of the Packernet Podcast Network. Oh, wait a minute. Holy cow. Willie D, I... Apologize, man. I did not see what you did. 
and I am the biggest jagwad on planet Earth. I am so sorry. That is a unbelievable donation that you made uh, to the podcast, and I uh, there's no words, man. There's absolutely no words um, for that level of support. So Willie D, you are my hero, and I appreciate that. Um, please consider pay. Uh, uh, I'm a little little lost here. Hold on. Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry dot org. Um, again, just helping people that um, that desperately need it, and and again, they're just trying to get off the ground. My my dad's going out doing tractor shopping and stuff, and he's the cheapest man on planet Earth. So he's like bargain shopping for tractors with like you know tractor people, and he ended up getting like some real old school tractor that's you know it's one of those like they don't make them like they used to type of thing where it's it's kind of old and run down, but that engine is like friggin' hardcore. I'm not like an engine guy, so I can't explain exactly what all that means, but I just know that that's, that's hilarious, and I can't wait to get down there and drive that big friggin' hog. But uh, furgroundranch.org is where you can find that. There are links uh, pinned to the top of my Twitter if you're interested in, in just going directly to a donation page. That would be greatly, greatly appreciated. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yo, this is Dakota, that nerd in Tennessee. What up, nerd? (laughs) 
Roquan <laughs> has been traded. Yeah. If you know a Bears fan, check on him. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm trying not to laugh so I- you know, I, I actually need to, I, I forget that my entire existence is in terms of understanding Bears fans, which by the way, I started muting, not blocking, but muting Bears fans just because I, I what I realized is the algorithm realized that I have been arguing with so many Bears fans. They're like, oh, you must love these guys and want to see what they say all the time, which creates a death spiral because I keep seeing the stupidity and then I keep commenting on it and then they keep showing me more. So I just started muting a bunch of them. Not every one of them because some of them are cool, but some of them are, we, we have no positive interaction, so I don't need to be seeing their tweets. But the bottom line is Twitter Bears fans are, everything is always perfect. Everything is always great. Everything is always rosy. There's nothing ever wrong. So, you know, when if, if, if Roquan stayed and got paid to be the greatest thing in the world, if Roquan left, it would be the uh, the greatest thing in the world. I, I, I guess I don't have the my finger on the pulse of, of actual Bears fans because Twitter is a fake place. So I need to head over to YouTube and find out what Bears fans are saying. I, I don't know. I, I would guess they're overall saying it's positive. Last time I looked at Bears fans, they were screaming at Roquan playing like garbage. Um, so I don't know. That is a, that is you just reminded me that I need to do that um, because it's all sunshine and rainbows on Twitter. But that's all there ever is on Bears Twitter. It's a weird place because in reality, Bears fans are really negative, very negative, very angry. And then you go on Twitter and they're so positive. And Packer fans, it's the opposite. Like we have a reputation for uh, being so nice, and you know, you go to the game and it's you know they they treated me so well. And you go on Twitter and Packer fans are just just murdering people with words. <laughs> Again, Twitter's not a real place. I don't know why this is tickling me, but it is tickling the living <laughs> day out of me. Roquan has been traded. Yeah. They have been he has been traded to the to the what's it called? The Raven. Yep. Um Yeah. And that's hilarious. So if you know a Bears fan, either check on them or tell them about themselves, one or the other. <laughs> uh that's all I had. Just just tell us what you gotta say about Roquan being being traded there. All right, y'all. Peace. So, in all honesty, as much as I again like to make fun of Bears fans, I think Ryan Poles has maybe done a pretty decent job in terms of. I think he's done pretty much everything I would have done. Um, I would not have catered to Justin Fields and went out and got a bunch of offensive pieces. I would have just grabbed best player available. Now, are those actual good pieces or not? I don't know. But if that's the plan, that's the right plan. Um, he understands that this is teardown time. He's not bringing back Akeem Hicks. He's not bringing back Roquan. He's not bringing back any of these guys. Um, so, so far, everything kind of makes sense. You're acquiring draft picks and trying to rebuild the team to be a little bit better. But the, the, the funny part to me is, you know, the, the joke about trading away a quality player for picks. You know, they, they show that gif of, what is it, the Simpsons or Family Guy, I think. Where it's like, I could take the, the boat or the mystery box. The boat would be great. But the mystery box could be anything. It could even be a boat. That's kind of how it is with the Bears in general, right? It's like they, they're doing the right things. They're offloading the old, you know, over-the-hill expensive guys because that's they're not a part of the future. But the, the, the pun, not the pun, the punchline is that essentially what they're going to try to do is do their best to get quality players from those picks so that they can rebuild the team the last time they sucked. I mean, honestly, are are you going to get a Roquan type player? I, sh- I shouldn't say. Ro- are you going to get a Khalil Mack type player from the Khalil Mack picks you got? No, you're not going to be able to build. I mean, I, I they're in a great spot. They've got tons of money and they got tons of draft capital. And I think the GM's doing the best that he can. But I don't know that they can even touch the 2018 Bears. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't know. And you know, we'll see what happens. But listen, they're 
excited about the future, which is great. Um, I get it, you know, especially if you like your quarterback. I think they're massively overhyping the guy, but whatever. The bottom line is, though, you can't just say we have picks and money, therefore we're going to be good, therefore we're going to dominate the NFC North, therefore, therefore, therefore. That's not how that works, bro. What happens right now is that you guys suck, like real bad. And the next year you're going to go into the draft and try to use draft capital to pull out the good players, many of whom don't exist. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a, you're picking through a pile of guys, 90% of which are not going to be high quality starters for any team in the NFL ever. I don't care how many picks you have. The majority of them are not going to be super high quality. Now, you know, maybe get some contributors mixed in here and there and you can have a good draft, but some of those picks are going to be wasted. And look, we, we've been here before. 2017, the Vikings were dominant. 2018, the Bears were dominant. And the Packers were bottom of the barrel. And what happened? Brian Gutekunst, and this is why, honest question, if we had to do a teardown and rebuild, do you want Gutekunst to do it or somebody else? I'll take the guy that in one year took us from a losing record to 13 wins. He cut some pieces that were bad for the locker room, that were just not really contributing, not really what he wanted. And then he, with a, you know, we got to clean up the cap a little bit, but if Rodgers moves again, we have money. Start bringing in some quality free agents, which he's done through this entire process. Again, I, I, I'm not going to go through the list. I've done it a billion times. His hit rate in free agency is stupid, especially considering he's never going after those super high-priced guys. So Darius was like his biggest acquisition, and he was a backup. <laughs> when we paid him like $17 million a year, it was like, what are you doing? I mean, I'm glad we got him, but that's a little, that's a little much. Little did we know. So again, it looks a certain way. It looked like in 2018, we were done and the Vikings and Bears are going to battle for supremacy. What happened? The Vikings fell off, the Bears completely fell off, and the Packers were right back on top in one year of making a couple tweaks. And considering we have a much better roster now than we did in 2018, it's not impossible to think that we can clean up a couple areas and come back strong another, another time. And again, as much as you look at it and go, yeah, well, the locker room is bad. It was terrible in 2018. It was worse then. Winning is all that matters. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. What, we, what he did in 2018 was basically an impossible task. 2018 into 2019. Impossible, but it happened right before our eyes. So um, you, it, from my perspective, you can't really brag about your future success if it hasn't happened. All you are is a garbage franchise that's been garbage for 30 some odd years. And there's every reason to believe that that's going to continue. I mean, I don't know how many times you guys have had early picks and tons of picks and all these different things, and you've done nothing with it. So I, I, I will believe it when I see it, and I don't plan on seeing it ever. Hey, what's up, Ryan? How you doing? What's going on, man? Um, I think I know how you're doing. You follow you on Twitter, so you pretty much say how you're doing. Yeah, I'm sorry uh, about anyhow, that. I talk too much. Um, following up on the game, man, my thoughts on this game is, yes, some heart was shown. A little too late, yep. but it was shown. And I appreciate that. I think that's great. I think that is great for the younger players like right. Amari yep. and uh, Dobbs um, and uh, Samori Toure. I think, I think that's great, you know. Um, but overall, for the season, I just – look, we're not going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. All right? And if we make it to the playoffs, we're one and done. And – at this point, I don't think we would probably get a top 10 pick if we just played out the season. I highly doubt it. We're stuck in that perpetual no man's land that sucks, you know? It's like you're, you're, you're not good enough to even enjoy the season or enjoy wins or anything, and you're not bad enough to enjoy the draft. So you're kind of just stuck in that garbage 
mediocrity, no man's land. And, you know, once you get to like 14, I mean, 12, pick 12, 13 and up, I mean, it's all, you may as well have pick 25, exactly. it doesn't really matter. Yep. So I know there's that argument where we're not going to get, you know, and, you know, premier quarterback range for the draft. So may as well just play out the season and see what happens. And that's fine. My problem with that is I, 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 I want to see some serious changes here, like some fundamental changes to this roster and to this culture. And I only think that happens if this season is somewhat of a bust, right? Me and as that Rodgers isn't coming back. Um, you know, Gooey is forced to make some, you know, some hard decisions. And then we give Matt LaFleur an opportunity to implement his system uh, without having to, you know, cater it to Aaron Rodgers and what he likes to do. Yeah. I know a lot of people won't agree with that, um, but that's where I'm at. I'm going to always be Packers first um, and then player second. But I want to see this team be good for another 10, 20, 30 years, and I'm willing to let this season and maybe the one more season just be kind of a wash right. to get there. Uh, but that's where I'm at. As far as this performance, as it contributes to that, I think I'm unmoved. I'm unmoved. I kind of feel a little bit better than I did before. But at the same time, I am highly convinced that next week, everything that we did well uh, yesterday, we'll just suck at because that's just what we do right. in 2022. Exactly. All right. So uh, keep up the good work. All right. Love the show and I'd uh, love to hear your thoughts. Bye. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I was saying about you know, you, you, you can't even trust anything that's good. They're not building. Every, every game feels like a reset. It, it's, it's almost like it's week one on reset. Rather than week one was bad, but then we continue to grow. It's week one was bad, and then week two is bad for new reasons, and week three is bad for different reasons, and week four is bad for different... It's just a new experience of a team that struggles. It's like, well, hey, we ran the ball really well, and, and we stuck to it. Yeah, but what happens next week when we can't run the ball? kind of screwed, right? I mean, do you think we're going to get seven yards per carry from Aaron Jones every week and, and five or whatever from, from A.J. Dillon? Of course not. So then what? I mean, yeah, we're, we're going to have to win in new ways. You know, well, yeah, but then the pass rush won't be as prominent, and so we'll have to throw. Well, yeah, okay, we're going to have to throw, but that's a completely different area of struggle that we haven't shown any ability for, for growth. Again, aside from Rodgers threw some 50-50 balls that were caught. But do we have confidence moving forward that the things we're seeing now are not just good, but, but we think that they're going to continue for the rest of the season? Let me, let me put it a, a different way. There are a lot of people who had confidence, myself included, in terms of like, hey, at least at least that was good, right? So in all honesty, seriously, we know the Lions are one of the worst teams in all of football. For all the really confident people out there that we have a very good team and they showed hard and they're, this is, this is, if Washington isn't the worst team in football, it might as well be the Lions, right? Washington, Detroit, Houston, these are, these are the bottom of the bottom of the bottom of the barrel. The Lions are one and six. I mean, if, if, if there is any confidence in this team being a legit playoff contender, there shouldn't be an ounce of doubt about beating Detroit. But let's just be completely honest. Of course there is. <laughs> of course there's doubt. Detroit in Detroit. Doesn't matter that they've only won one game. We're terrified. They scored 27 points last week in their loss. 
They lost to Seattle, scoring 45 points. They scored 24 against Minnesota, 36 against Washington, 35 against Philadelphia. It's the worst defense in all of football, so you would hope, hope that our offense could kind of get something going. But, yeah, I'm, I'm nervous. What if they put up 30? Can we catch that? Or even 27 like they did last week against Miami. If they put up 27, how confident do we feel that we get to 30 this week? They gave up 29, 24, and 31 the last three weeks. Again, I, I think we win. But I've said that a lot recently. And, and as much as I want to say this, this has the ability to be a get-right game, just, just those words coming out of my mouth makes me sick. How many times do we have to say that? And, let's, and, and beyond that, to be perfectly honest, that's kind of ridiculous. Beating a one-win team for the first time in five weeks is somehow going to give us hope? Sorry, that, that ain't going to do it for me. And unfortunately, we're going back to expectation phase, right? Whereas before with Buffalo, I didn't think we were going to win, didn't really have any expectations, was able to just relax. And now I'm going to watch this Detroit game going, dude, you cannot freaking lose to Detroit for the love of all things. Holy man, please, please, please do not lose this game. Hi, Ryan. After the past four weeks, I decided it was time to call your show. All right. These past four weeks have been difficult for me, not because of the Packers lost four games. And I have to admit that it had been nice to have a distraction of watching them win a few times. Yep. But I wasn't going to say anything, you know, after these different calls that we've had, after these different losses that we've had. But, uh, when I listened to the callers, whether I'm right or whether I'm wrong, I felt uh, I needed to call your show and make a couple of comments. Okay. To begin with, I'll say I love, you know, watching the Packers, being a part of the fandom. I've followed them since the days of Lombardi. I stuck with them through the frustrating 70s and 80s, and I was fortunate enough to become a season ticket holder when they remodeled the stadium in 2001. Nevertheless, the success or failure of the team doesn't really matter when it's compared to other things that have happened to all of us. As I said, uh, a few wins would have been a nice diversion, and I don't want to criticize people for their feelings or how they express themselves, but some of the calls that have been made just kind of leave me, you know, shaking my head. The main reason for my call is kind of like a, a PSA, public service address, uh, a month ago, we found out that my wife has breast cancer. I'm sorry. The good news is we found out early. It's treatable. There's a very high success rate. And yet, she's still going to have to go through this long, slow, physical, emotionally taxing process to get there. A month ago, we sat in an exam room as a surgeon who performed the biopsy informed my wife that she has breast cancer. I just felt helpless as I watched the person I love more than myself cry. Her mother and sisters have had issues in the past, but none of them were cancerous. And that's what she was expecting, you know, to have the same kind of, you know, issues as, as what the rest of the family did. So we sat there stunned as the doctor proceeded to tell us what our options were, which is, you know, she's a surgeon, so it's lumpectomy, and then radiation or mastectomy and, you know, maybe, maybe not radiation. We'd have to see. As time went by, she was able to compose herself. When more tests were done, you know, then we went off and got a cup of coffee and talked and, you know, kind of sorting through the whole process. 
And then just a week later, we saw the oncologist who changed everything. He recommended chemotherapy, surgery afterward. You know, part of his idea is the tumor's going to shrink, and if there's... That cutoff will continue. Yeah, I knew it was going to go over three minutes. So anyhow, if there's any cancer cells in the lymph nodes, that more than likely they're going to be eradicated. I'm not here asking for sympathy. We're thankful that she caught it early. They class it as stage 1A, even though she has you know, what they call a triple positive in her hormone receptors. Her lymph nodes are clean. My point for the call today is to remind everyone to speak to their families, their friends. I realize every single woman over the age of 18 knows that they need a self-exam. I'm here to emphasize how important it is. The day before we saw the surgeon, my wife kept telling me that she feels fine. She has no symptoms. And my reply was that that's a good thing. If she had symptoms, she'd probably be looking at stage three or stage four. Before seeing the surgeon, I looked up at the American Cancer Society's website. It says that women have a 13% chance of getting breast cancer in their lifetime. So the odds are the vast majority of women are not going to. And those that do, it's treatable. Stage one, I think, has like a 99% success rate. For years, I've been advocating, you know, breast cancer awareness, and I've made donations. I've done the fundraiser walks. I have a pink T-shirt. What I want to emphasize is how important early detection is. People know that they should floss, but they don't always do it. They know that they should smoke, shouldn't smoke, but they still do. People know they should do a lot of things, but it's not always convenient. So ask them to do it on a regular basis anyway. And by the way, guys, don't be a jerk about this. Don't tell your wife or your girlfriends that you'll volunteer to do the exam. It isn't about you. It's not what they need. Offer to do the dishes, make dinner, pay for a mani-pedi spa day, something like that. So that's it. Go Pack Go. You know, I am... I was at one point in my life one of the most unemotional persons... (laughs) On planet Earth. I don't know what happened to me. Wife and four kids have softened me up pretty good. Um, Well, I I sincerely hope that everything is, is going okay, Wayne. And um, I I hope you know you can, you know, call in anytime or just reach out to me directly anytime. Uh, I can't promise I'll see it or respond because I'm terrible with that. But if I do, obviously I will. And, um, you know, I can't promise you that the the call-ins are going to be much more cheery and rosy because, you know, things are bleak and that's just kind of the way it goes. Um, so I, I definitely understand you wanting to take a break. But most important for for me and I think everybody else that heard, um, aside obviously of the, the PSA that you reminded everybody about that, you know, like myself as a guy, I don't really think about much. I mean, I see it on f- the football thing, you know. Breast cancer awareness. It, it seems like one of those things that you you just don't think about, but yet now that you think about it, it's like, oh yeah, I know several people that have that have had that. Forget how common it is. But aside from that, is just you know I don't know how many times it's almost becoming daily where you know you get so whipped up in this, and and it is part of the distraction. It really is, and I, and I don't mean to excuse any bad behavior or or bad attitudes that me or or any of the callers have had or whatever, but. Part of the distraction is is getting out of the world and immersing yourself in football. And it it's nice to be able to do that. The problem with immersing yourself in football is it becomes it starts to feel like this is real life and it's not. 
you know, just little insight into things going on over here. This is just, you know, one example, but, you know, I'm, I'm sitting in here getting into constant Twitter arguments just over and over and over and over after I, every day I wake up, I say, I'm not doing it. I'm going to ignore every comment and I'm just going to start muting people because I don't need that. That's not important, you know, just don't do it. And I'm doing it and I'm, I'm not getting the podcast done because I'm busy arguing with people on Twitter and, and my wife comes down to give me a cup of coffee and give me an update on her grandma who's not going to probably make it too much longer. She was in, I mean, she's, she's 90, but she was in great health, no issues whatsoever, very, very healthy. She's up on everything. She gets constant checkups and everything's, uh, bill of health is great. She got a couple shots, uh, flu and COVID at the same time. Apparently it was too much. I don't know exactly what happened, but uh, had a bad reaction, went to the doctor. You're thinking everything's going to be fine. They find some things, they have to do a procedure, but it's a routine procedure. Everything's going to be fine. That wasn't fine. And it's just like things just spiraled out of control. And now, you know, she comes out and tells me my, my grandma says she doesn't want to go on anymore. She wants to go be with God. And it's like, this isn't real. What do you, what do you, I don't understand this. And I'm over here arguing about stuff that doesn't mean anything. You know what I mean? This doesn't mean anything. Arguing with a guy about how much of an impact MVS had in, in Green Bay in 2021. Digging up his stats to demonstrate that he did not, in fact, have a big impact in Green Bay in 2021. Who cares? Well, this guy thinks that Gutekunst is to blame, and he's an idiot. He's got a shallow view of it. Who cares? Well, he's wrong. So what? Well, I can easily prove it. No, you can't, because he won't listen to anything you say, and you're not listening to anything he says. So stop. I can't. You have to. I don't know why I'm so broken. <laughs> so I, I, I guess... What I need to do and what I think a lot of us need to try to do is to allow the NFL and football to be a way to escape, but for that escape to somehow be a positive. And we need to be able to create that. And if that means being a quote-unquote soft snowflake and muting and blocking every single person that's making this a miserable experience, then do it. If it means having a new outlook on the Green Bay Packers that isn't dependent on either we win the Super Bowl or I hate everybody and I hate Brian Gutekunst and I hate every Rodgers and I hate Matt LaFleur, I mean, we, we, we just got to find a more, I mean, if, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. I just, I don't think it's, it's good for any of us. I don't think any of us enjoy it. You know what I mean? Nobody's happy. The people that are screaming at me and foaming at the mouth are not happy any more than I am. We don't want to have this conversation. We don't enjoy arguing. We're just stupid. So I do appreciate the perspective, Wayne. I'm sorry that things have been rough. I really am. Um, you know, my, my wife and I are coming up on nine years and it feels like we've been together forever. And I just, you know, there's, there's nothing that, that warms my heart more than, you know, when you see people that have been together a long time that, that genuinely really care about each other, you know? Not calling you old, Wayne. You, you were the one that mentioned Lombardi or, or whatever it was. So I'm just, I'm just trying to do a little quick math in my head is all. But, um, you know, we all obviously are, are wishing your wife the absolute best and, and we know she's going to be all right. And we appreciate you and, you know, really hope for your sake and everybody's sake that the Packers get a win here. As much as it's fun to theorize and talk about we should just tank and lose and everything, I think I think we could use a win. It's probably going to lead to more fights and, and <laughs> everything, but no matter what happens, there's going to be more fights. So I appreciate the call, Wayne. Please call in anytime. Again, either to the show or directly to me or whatever you want to do. We got your back, man. Ryan, it is Jimmy again. Hey, Aaron, number two. Uh, I am calling to uh, answer your question. Such a um, jerk. Should we be encouraged? 
I am encouraged. I am actually encouraged. Okay. Um, not necessarily that we're going to like turn it all around and like make this dramatic, you know, um, um, turn around next week. But um, I am encouraged because we ran the ball. We ran yep. the ball a lot. Yep. And what that says to me is that Lafleur told Rogers, "Stop audibling out of it. We got to run the ball." And I'm also encouraged because. Um, going to be a little bit of a, of a reach here, but um, bear with me. Sure. Um, I'm trying to take a new approach to this remainder of the season. Good. We've got what we've got. We've got a two-time back-to-back MVP, four-time overall MVP, yep. who is working with a terrible offensive line and brand new receivers, yep. and he's trying. And I know this goes against what I said last week, but I'm going to try to take a new tack to this season here. And I'm going to say that I hope that he can live within the system a little bit and also keep feeding these receivers, these new guys, the stuff, and see if we can make some magic. Yeah. It's going to be a long season. It's going to be a crappy season. But hopefully we'll make the playoffs. And if we do, you know, anything can happen. So that's the attitude that I'm going to try to take into the remaining games of the season. Because otherwise, what's the point? You know, we're here to have some fun. All right. I hope you can uh, stay positive as well. Bye. couple thoughts. Number one, again, I swear you guys coordinate these calls. Number two, I'm shocked at how much you guys impact my mood and my thinking. Um, I swear if you would have called in and said, there's nothing to be encouraged about, I would be saying the same thing. But but even as you're saying that, it's like all these light bulbs are just firing off in my head. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, oh yeah, yeah, that's true. I'm encouraged too. Um, no, I, I I agree with with everything you said. I, I think I don't know, and I don't want to derail your call, so maybe I should just save it for the podcast tomorrow. But mm, now nah, I'm not I'm not going to just change the subject off what you said. But but you did encourage me <laughs> in a way. Um, that does kind of seem to be the right path, though. I mean, we, we there's something there that I don't know that anybody's a hundred percent put their finger on. But it seems like most Packer fans are real excited about the rookies. And there's just a general feeling that if we would highlight them more, things would be better. And it doesn't seem to make sense. And maybe it's just fans being ridiculous fans. But it kind of doesn't feel like that to me. It feels like there is something there. And, and maybe it's just that without their contribution, we can't do it. Um, but, you know, more Zach Tom seems to be a good thing more so than a bad thing. Uh, leaning on Romeo Dobbs has been a reward and not a negative. Uh, getting Christian Watson involved, even though it's been hard to do, has been a net negative more than it's been a, po- uh, a net positive more than it's been a negative. And now we just throw Samori Ture in the mix because of the issues we're having. And again, you know, I mean, he was he was one for four, which isn't great, but obviously there were some positive results from that. It just seems like anytime we we push more on the rookies, the the more positive results we get. That maybe isn't 100% the sense, uh, the the situation with Quay. But again, even he's had two back-to-back good weeks. De- Devontae Wyatt, the guy we forgot completely about, he's had a solid last two weeks, and it's the last two weeks that he's had more opportunities. You know, I mean, that you put him out there for three, four snaps, and it's like, oh, he's got a 30 overall grade. I'm like, okay, whatever. But now he's been getting double-digit snaps the last two weeks, and he's graded out in the 70s. Not not elite, not dominant, but but again, PFF is all about PFF grades are all about consistency. So you can have a high impact and a low grade if you're just not consistent. And I would be okay with that. But the the real benefit is we've seen the highlights from Devontae Wyatt. We've seen him track down guys from behind twice in one game. I've seen him throw a center five yards to his left 
and sprint toward a quarterback and just missed blowing up the quarterback for a sack. We've seen those splash plays. Consistency is major. If he can be that guy and have consistency, it's big. So, so there is just sort of this feeling of if we can kind of get them going, and I think you're right, if we, we need to kind of force feed them a little bit. We need Rodgers to, to not only trust them, but to lean on them a little bit. And, and again, we're, we're starting to see that rewarded. Now, as I've said, it's not my favorite way to go about this. Let's just hope that they can become Devontae. Um, and granted, they, they do need some of that. You can't 100% scheme garbage receivers and just expect everything to be okay. I mean, there has to be a meeting in the middle. But, I mean, if we're going to go full on, like, I'm just going to trust you and throw up trust balls, um, okay, let's let's go for it. Let's see what we can do. And like you said, we, we ran the ball more. It seems like we're taking control of that. Um, maybe Rodgers didn't like it very much, but I don't care. Some people are assuming that's what the comments were about when Von Miller said, I'm not going to say what he said because I don't want to cause problems. You know, it's very possible that he had mentioned something about Matt LaFleur. Maybe he said the wide receivers, but I, you know, who knows? The point is, it doesn't matter. We've le- we're leaning on the run. We had success with the run. We're having more success with the offensive line. I know he was under pressure a bunch, but I think they did a really good job against one of the most pr- premier pass rush units in football. And we've got we've got guys to lean on. And, and again, this is why I feel more optimistic about the offense and the defense, which is weird because I do think the defense is better than the offense. But it's just because I can see a path. And a lot of that has to do with the rookies. But the defense isn't all that dissimilar. Amos is... I mean, he started off terribly, and now, you know, although there's still some issues, clearly, especially with the lack of aggression, which is a major problem for the defense in general, um, he's not what he was the first couple weeks where he was one of the worst safeties in football. You know, again, Quay's had a couple good weeks. Devondre fell in the tank, but he was injured, so I guess we'll cut him some slack. Preston's really starting to show up, not as much as a pass rusher, but man, that run defense, I've never seen anybody as dominant in run defense as Preston has been the last two to three weeks. But if I may just briefly derail, I, I think the optimism for me largely has to do with the future because, again, it's, it's sort of a, you know, what do we even do moving forward if the pieces aren't, we have the pieces and we're not getting it now? Which individual piece do you look at and say, this was a mistake, this isn't going to work? I mean, they, they need a little bit better of, of, a, of the ability to kind of come together, but I like our offensive line. It does need some help, especially if we lose Bakhtiari. It's going to need, you know, some pretty significant help. But again, I think Zach Tom fills that spot. Not as well, but we've got something there. I like our running back room. Even if it's just A.J. Dillon and we add somebody else, it's still a solid, it's a, it's a solid piece. I like our wide receivers. I don't know if we have everything we need. Maybe we still need to go do something, but I like those guys. I like our tight ends. Maybe we need to go do something, but I like them. I like our defensive line. I don't know if Lowry sticks around or Jaron Reed sticks around, but we got Kenny. Slayton is really starting to emerge. And, and we'll see what we got in Wyatt. I love Rashawn. I'm glad we paid Preston. I was really scared about that, expecting somewhat of a, of a drop-off. And again, the, the pass rush has been dropping for him, but I still am very happy he's on the other side. I think Kingsley and Igbare is a major piece that is emerging. Quay, I have optimism for. I'm, I'm, again, I'm, there's, there's a level of frustration, but most of the frustration I have is either common rookie stuff or things that potentially have to do with Joe Barry. In other words, he's doing exactly what he's being asked to do. Jair, even Stokes. Yeah, Stokes probably isn't going to be an elite corner. Fine, but he's, he's adequate enough as a number two corner, right? So, I mean, we, we've got some holes and things, but it, it's not like, dang, we got this whole rebuild because nobody can play. No, I think we have a lot of guys that can play. We need a, a way to bring them together. And, and whether that's with Matt LaFleur 
and a new defensive coordinator or maybe a new coach or whatever the situation is, I don't know. But if we can figure out that piece, it's not as much about we need more talent or new talent. We need somebody to activate it. And, and I'm, I'm optimistic because as dire as everything seems, I still think we have a good team. And maybe I'm an idiot, but I, I just do. And you're seeing it. You're seeing it. It's just, it's, it's, it's that flickering light that just won't stay on. You know, the, the, it's, it's like a, the problem isn't with the light bulb, it's the battery. You know, the light bulb is fine. It's not flickering because it's, it's a dead bulb. It's just it, the, the power source. We need a new power source to energize it. It's a freaking sweet, I don't know, the light bulb thing is stupid or not because there's no such thing as a, well, maybe there is a cool light bulb. I don't know. But it's a great bulb or whatever it is we're powering. We just don't have that power source to, to get it to full capacity. Look, oh, okay, this is Dakota, that nerd from Tennessee. They got the Bears. I <laughs> probably, it's been a, yeah, a couple hours since I last called. The Bears got a second yeah. and a fifth. Oh, Roquan Smith. That's more than I thought. Um, yeah, same. I mean, I would say I kind of, you know, that could potentially make them better. They sent off a not-so-good linebacker and got some good picks for them and they got now the highest space or they're set to have the highest cap space in uh 2023 and of course they're gonna have a you know a buttload of picks so i would say i'm concerned i just i don't know how they i saw how they drafted in 2022 and should i be concerned should we be concerned ryan about this. So we could be concerned about how much draft capital that they have in 2023, or do you think they're just going to squander it? Can't wait to hear it. Peace. Well, what, what are they going to do? Um, the, the biggest piece is still quarterback. And I don't know what, Ro- I, I know what Bears fans think. I don't know what Ryan Poles thinks. Well, I know what Bears Twitter fans think. I don't know what, I don't know what Ryan Poles thinks in terms of, is this our guy? Now, it would make sense to not address it right out of the gate. Do what the Lions are doing. Focus on building core pieces, and we'll worry about the quarterback in a little bit. We'll give him another year to kind of run through this thing or whatever, but we're going to take all this capital. We're going to stack this team so that, if nothing else, we at least have an answer on fields if he can do it or not. Um, but they do need to work on the offensive line, right? That's That's a serious problem. As much as they're seemingly very good run blockers, um, they can't pass block to save their lives. So we need a lot of help along the offensive line. Wide receiver, are they going to invest in it? Probably not super heavily because they just went and paid their wide receiver one, and they're going to have to give him a pretty big chunk of change. And they have Darnell Mooney. So they, they kind of have their number one and number two, so they can continue to add to that if they want, but probably not so much. Uh, defensively, they need defensive tackle help. They need edge help. They need linebacker help. They, eh, maybe is, is kind of it, but the point is they, they still need a lot of stuff. And the question is, what are they going to prioritize and what are they actually going to hit on? And so it's just, it's there's, there's a lot of questions. And as far as cap, there's always a team that has a lot of cap space. You know which teams always have a lot of cap space? The teams that don't have any talent. Very rarely, if ever, has there been a time where the team with the most cap space goes out in free agency, buys a billion really high-priced players, and then succeeds. 
I mean, we've seen teams with a lot of cap space go out and buy a billion players, but they usually stay garbage, you know? Like, for example, this past year in 2022, who had a ton of space and spent the most money? It was the Jaguars. Total value of contracts was 200, almost $270 million. Second place was 175 They signed Christian Kirk, Brandon Scherf, uh, whatever, Olukun, uh, Darius Williams, uh, Fatu Kasi, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, Arden Key, Adam Gotsis, Laquan Treadwell, Trey Herndon, Wyatt Ray, and John Miller. What are the Jaguars doing right now? Not a ton. You know, 2021, it was the Patriots. The Patriots did do some stuff, I guess. And I guess I don't really know how much money they had, kind of just looking at who spent the most, but how much better were they compared to expectation? I don't think a ton. They signed 27 players. Tennessee Titans signed 35 players, as did the Texans. Uh, 2020, the Cincinnati Bengals spent the most money in free agency. DJ Reader, Trey Waynes, Von Bell, Xavier Suafilo, Mackenzie Alexander, LaShawn Sims, Josh Bynes, Mike Daniels, Xavier Williams, Tory McTire, Mike Thomas, Brandon Allen, Greg Mabin, blah, 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 blah. What did the Bengals do in 2020? They went 4-11. and 11. So, you know, having money just means you're not spending money, and you're not spending money because there's nobody worth giving a contract to slash rookies. And here's something else to consider. Um, Justin Fields, it's not impossible that man starts looking for a contract. And you say, well, that's ridiculous. He's not good enough. Well. The way that this has been working from my perspective, and I'm not saying it's necessarily this year, but quarterbacks seem to be asking earlier and earlier for the contract that they want, right? I mean, Kyler Murray just asked. So next year, it's Tua, Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert season. And so they maybe have one more year before uh, Justin Fields starts asking for, hey, I want that big money contract. So how much How much can you really spend? I mean, I and and that's sort of the issue. I mean, spending just to spend doesn't make a lot of sense. If you're if you're talking about a rebuild, in other words, 2023 rolls around, we're not winning the Super Bowl this year. It doesn't make a lot of sense to get one-year contracts. If you're going to get people, you want to get them on multi-year contracts. Well, if you're going to do that, you can't just look at what we have this year. You have to look at the the totality of what we expect to be paying. And Justin Fields or a quarterback is a big part of that. And so you don't have as much money as you think you have, right? Um, and, and Fields isn't the only one. I don't know exactly what they're planning on paying who, but, you know, David Montgomery, are you going to pay him? Are you going to pay Cole Komet? What about Jalen Johnson? What about Darnell Mooney? Those three are coming up. Tight end, cornerback, wide receiver. These things have to be factored in. You, you cannot spend tomorrow's money that you don't have. And if you're just primarily going out and trying to um, spend money on one-year rentals, well, I don't care about that. And as far as the draft picks, I mean, they had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. They had 11 picks this past year also. Now, granted, they didn't have any first, but they had two seconds. And what have they done? Well, Kyler Gordon is maybe improving. That's the assumption from Bears fans. I don't really see that via PFF. but So that, that seemingly so far, not a real big impact. Brisker is decent, but very inconsistent. You know, he's got a 70 overall grade, but that's because he had three good games. One of them was a 90, which leaves five games where he didn't play super well. But, but, but again, okay, so Brisker's fine. What about Valus Jones? He's never caught more than one pass in a single game. He has 24 yards through four games. His, his best game this year, one target, one reception, nine yards, and a touchdown. 
What about Braxton Jones? I mean, for a fifth-round guy taking over as a tackle, it seems like he's doing a, a decent enough job, I guess. But he's given up 25 pressures already this season. That's fourth most in the entire NFL across all offensive linemen, not just tackles. I mentioned that because the guard that the Vikings drafted, Ed, Ing- Ed Ingram, is actually higher than that, which is insane because usually the guards are less than the tackles and the centers are less than the guards. What about Dominique Robinson? A lot of hype about him early on. He has a 50 overall grade, seven pressures on 103 attempts. Not great. Not much there. So, you know, again, it's one thing to have a bunch of picks and to have a bunch of money, but turning that into something is a different conversation. So we will just have to wait and see. I don't know. Um, Again, if you had looked at the situation 2017-2018, to assume that we would have come through that with the Packers dominating 2019-2020-2021, I don't think anybody would have assumed that. The Packers were in completely dire straits. The, 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 it, had, it had collapsed. Ted Thompson wasn't drafting well. Mike McCarthy wasn't coaching well. Aaron Rodgers wasn't playing well. The locker room was completely lost. There's no turning this around in one year. It's impossible. And the Vikings just dominated at a 13-win season in 2017. The Bears nearly had a run at a Super Bowl in, in 2018. Life comes at you fast, man. That's all I know. So, yeah, congrats on the on the money and the picks, and uh, we'll see how it goes. I mean, th- this season isn't over either, by the way. We don't even know how this is going to shake out, much less how the future is going to shake out. So I do have to leave it at that as much as I'd love to go through more calls. So I am going to, uh, to stop, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.